This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being, being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. Without pain, why would you seek to go deep within? When someone is depressed, there are two possible outcomes, either sinking into despair and never emerging from it, or they can also go inwards to heal themselves or to receive assistance in their healing. As part of the divine's plan, depression forces us to make that decision either way. Unless you're on a slow awakening path, you wouldn't even bother going inwards without pain. People on a slow awakening path are those who have not yet experienced pain, but have begun to ask the big life questions and have begun to examine themselves. Sheetal. Valeria interviews Sheetal Mystery. She is a trauma healer coach. She uses energy healing to help stabilize her clients and anywhere in their journey where they need it. Sheetal mainly uses root cause therapy, timeline therapy, for deeper healing. She lives in Melbourne, Victoria, Australia. Meet Sheetal at soulreflectionhealing.com. Here's the interview with Sheetal Mystery. In your own words, who is Shital Mystery? Mm. <laughs> That's always a question, isn't it? Who we really are at the in the, you know at the center of everything? Yeah, I think it's as we peel away the layers. Who am I? And the word sort of been pondering on it for a while, and the word joy just keeps coming up. Joy and joy and love. Um, yeah, it's like peeling away and just getting to the core of the onion. Um, mm. yeah but the wow. word joy just keeps coming up and I've always been a bit sort of <laughs> childish in a way I yes. think it's um ever since growing up I mean I, I'm the oldest of three kids but I've always been more the childish one and I think as I've grown up and I've peeled away the layers and the beliefs who I'm not you where know, mm. joy just comes up um it really resonates true to me, yes. And true. that's the work of healing, isn't it? That's why yeah. healing and spirituality is very much connected. Yeah, and love, yeah. Because people, you need to actually give people love so that they can start to heal themselves as well and make you know, make them feel loved. So yes. Yeah, love and joy. Right. Those are the words that come. Who am I? I, I love that. I love, love that. What a beautiful recognition, realization. Yes. Almost deserves a pause <laughs> as a contemplation to that truth, to that truth, Shital. So, 
I guess the follow-up question, the open questions, I'll ask you this one. What do you feel is the purpose of the human experience? Would, that, would it go back to what you just said about being joyful and feeling loved or yeah, something else? I think that's the essence that we come from and kind of return to. So because I believe we're all like particles of the divine, particles of God, and God is love and joy but the word who am I joy at the end it's like that's just when you kind of meditate on it it's that's the first word that kept coming up and that's what and yeah so why we're here is to experience life and learn and grow as a soul because I believe we can't grow as a soul just by you know just having a couple of lives it's an ongoing process to grow as a soul and the quickest way is to come down on earth or different planets experience different ways to grow um, and learn. Yes. How did you come to this understanding of even the journey and the process per se, the evolution of, of human beings and the soul? How did you get to understand this? Well, my background's a Hindu. Uh, I'm a Hindu background, but I'm sort of coming away from that and just coming under, you know, the banner of spirituality where we all unite and we've always been taught that, you know, we, we have a soul and we kind of return back to God at the end um, end of the day. Um, yeah. So that's how you you grew up, actually, right? With these understandings, yeah. with these ideas. Yeah. And, yeah, and reincarnation and stuff. So I grew up with all that. And it's like becoming more and more accepted um, about re- reincarnation. So Right. Yeah, and there are a lot of, I think you probably have heard the near-death experiences that has been studied, became even a scientific studies. So yeah, it's becoming a lot more, let's say, mainstream. But it's yeah. very intuitive too, right, Chateau? It is something yeah, about yeah. our intuition. It seems like we all know that, you know, intuitively. That this yeah, is not just it. Yeah. Also, going back to what you do, you are a trauma healer coach. What inspired you to become a trauma healer coach specifically? Why, why, why becoming this type of coach? Why? It's, it's been a long process over the last few years, especially in COVID when I switched I mean, I was just getting so many people coming through the door in my previous career, people suffering from anxiety, depression, and it was just more and more I was seeing, and I knew I had to kind of help them in some way. And because I've been through it myself, and the way I came out of it, I realized doesn't work for everyone, especially when they suffer from deeper trauma, like, you know, sexual abuse or domestic violence, and that's what made me look at other options and that's what when I came across uh, root cause therapy and um, then I actually found quantum energy healing which I never thought of myself as being a healer but when I got into it it was so me and I could feel the energy moving you know through my hands and through my head and um, down channeling through me from the divine and I just never knew and then it kind of hit me uh, uh, before that I've had like Akashic records read many years ago and it said I'm a healer but I never took note of it until recently but yeah I I did life coaching but it just wasn't hitting um, how I wanted people to you know just help guide them into healing and uh, awakening because that's that's my main goal is just to guide them to heal themselves and to awaken because through healing you awaken get clarity 
get clarity and awaken. Wow. So in a way, it was searching for you, right? What do you do? It's, it's, I don't know if you probably heard that saying, whatever you're looking for is looking for you as well. Oh, yeah, yeah, So it definitely. just found you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, life coaching, when I started doing life coaching, just online, like, you know, in the COVID times, it was just, um, I think it was just trying to prep me up to become a better listener and stuff. And then I actually you know, found root cause therapy and uh, you meet certain people to who prompt you to look for mm. the next thing, uh, you know, to, yes. to really help them. Um, yes. Talk to me for a moment, since we mentioned root cause therapy, I never heard about uh, this modality. So talk to me for a moment about it. How does it work? What is the process? It's actually developed by a lady here in uh, Australia, actually, who um, suffered um, sexual abuse herself. She actually learned uh, NLP, but she just felt it wasn't right to reframe. I mean, NLP works great for, you know, uh, people in general, but if they've got deeper trauma, it just needs something else. Um, so instead of reframing, we actually go into the event, clear the emotions, because it's the emotions that keep us trapped in the past and you keep getting the flashback. So it's uh, we tap into the subconscious mind and the unconscious mind. Actually, it's more the unconscious mind that we tap into, and we just keep talking to the unconscious mind when we take them down the timeline therapy. And uh, it's so, I mean, 95% of everything that's ever happened to us is stored within our subconscious and the unconscious mind. So it knows exactly where which events to drop us into to heal the original events. So once we get there, we start to get the cl the client to feel what emotions are coming up rather than what they're seeing because it's the emotions that we feel first and it's in the body. So that's why it's a bottoms-up approach rather than the top-down approach. Where with traditional therapy, it's like it, it works, traditional therapy, but only it only takes the person so far because the trauma is actually trapped within the body I mean when you get anxious it's all in the body your heart starts racing and you know you start your stomach starts to st turn um so we actually get them to feel the emotion what emotions coming up and I'm always addressing the unconscious mind what's what's coming up and then we just dial the emotion up to as maximum as they can take it like a volume button and then we just let them release it when it starts to come down naturally until it's completely out of the system. And then we just we just ask, okay, what's the next emotion? What else? What else? What else? We just keep prompting. We just want to clear as much of it as possible. And then once the clouds of emotions are removed, you get the clarity. Because if they're not removed, it's just the clarity is just clouded. And then you start to get answers. And that's where I feel like that's when people start to get an awakening or start of an awakening. Like they start to get clarity of what, why this happened, that happened, or why did that person do this? And, yeah, you can't, you know, explain everything of why a person does certain things, especially with the deeper traumas right, uh, right. that people suffer. So emotions are very powerful. They are they're actually telling us all the time, right, what is what is here, what is blocking us. But I see that most of people, most of us tend to numb or try to distract ourselves from those yeah. emotions. And yeah. that doesn't yeah. help, right? Chateau? No. And that's where the 
you know, the fight, flight, freeze comes in as well. So if they numb it down, they go either into shutdown or like freeze. Um, but then it's always that that trauma loop is always running in the background. And it's actually, yeah, the, the way I was taught, it's, it's actually the primal basic reptilian brain that kicks in. There's there's three parts of the brain. There's the reptilian brain, the mammalian brain, and then the human cognitive brain. And it's that fight, flight, freeze in the reptilian brain that's still within us. But like the way that my teacher explained it was it's like when a deer runs from a lion, it's, yeah. it just flies, <laughs> frights, yeah. you know, it gets frightened, flies. Yeah. Yeah. And then once it finds safety, it just goes, <sighs> yeah. just breathe. And that trauma loop's closed. You know, it's it's found that closure, that it's safe now. But within us humans and our cognitive brains and stuff, it just keeps looping. And it's without processing the emotions, it just keeps looping in the background, just keeps looping. And you get triggered anytime similar things keep happening. And I believe that people tend to get triggered over and over again, um, meet certain situations that people to keep getting triggered until they've healed. Mm. It's always calling to get healed. Yeah, it's a calling for healing. It's the soul. Yeah, oh. the soul just pushes them. Wow. Um, and you, yeah, this is something that caught my attention. And it's one of your messages that powerful, insightful one, an empowering one about pain, right? Like having to go through the things that we go through so we can wake up the spirit, the soul. I'll get to that in a moment. Going back to trauma. You wrote a blog post it's titled, What is Trauma? And there you quoted Peter Levine. Was, it's a, he's a developer of somatic experiencing. Yeah, so yeah he's, one of the fathers of it, yeah. Yeah, he said, trauma is the inability to be here and now. I mm. never heard it that way before, but that made so much sense when mm. I looked at, at this phrase. Trauma is the inability to be here and now. So trauma lives in the past, Right, mm. Chateau, past and future, it seems to me, trying is is that the escape mechanisms, right? Trying to go it goes back and remembers and then tries to escape it by going to the future somehow or being elsewhere, yeah. but never here. No, because you kind of think of the future of like, oh, how am I gonna, you know, live in the future if this keeps replaying out? Right. Right. So that's why you think about the future. And you're never here in the present because you're always thinking mm. about the <laughs> past mm. as well of what happened and you just keep replaying it. So yes. when we actually go back and heal these on the timeline therapy, uh, you, 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 the flash-ups don't happen as much and you don't, don't get triggered at all uh, so much. I mean, like a recent one I cleared was an event when my mother slapped me at the age of 18 and every time I'd talk about it, I'd be in, you know, floods of tears and anger. So that's something with, I could have gone and cleared it myself, but it's it's good to have somebody who, to hold the space and just ask the right prompting questions. Right. And now I don't get triggered by it. And mm. then I actually saw why she was like that, because she was brought up to, uh, you know, think that uh, women are third class citizens. And that's what she was just keeping the status quo in the family, uh, you know, by not listening to what I had to say and just slap me <laughs> at the age of 18 when I'm practically an adult. So 
yeah, even yeah, these are all like little little traumas that mm. keep looping and keep you trapped in the past. Yes. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry to hear that. And I know that this is something that most people go th- through these things, but they tend to believe that they don't affect them in the long term. Oh, no. But you're right. Does. Yeah, yeah. It definitely does. Um, mm. For me, I always tell this story because it's so powerful. I mean, in the root cause therapy, we actually use the whole body like a pendulum to test limiting beliefs that they're holding because the body is clever. Uh, it stores everything. So the belief that we worked on was I fear failure. And when I sat as a colleague for a, um, you know, just practice, um, it took, dropped me into an event when I was one years old. And you have no conscious memory of it, but your subconscious, unconscious knows. Um, so I saw turquoise walls and my mom said, yes, we did have turquoise walls. And my whole left leg started shaking from my hip joint to my feet as I was sitting there in the chair during this call because I, I couldn't, I was learning how to walk and I couldn't walk because no one had picked up my hip problem. So my leg remembered that trauma and that's when the fear of failure had set up, set in and it's followed me throughout life. It's like I'll never get things through first time or even second time around. It'd take a third attempt to get through. And it's so, so it's so subconscious. It's you're just not aware of it at all. It's just hidden, and it's it's yeah, it's it's just so hidden. It's like the iceberg um, analogy, where most of it's submerged, and you just know, don't know about it um, under the water. Right, right. It, it, but in a way, it's not. It is hidden, but it's not because it's always here, right? Kind of expressing itself. We are actually reenacting everything, but the body is, but we are not able to interpret. Like we need interpreters <laughs> for that mm-hmm. kind of language. And that will be you and therapists and people who do this work to yeah. interpret the, the body language, but at a deeper level. How amazing. And I read this story, I mean, what you went through with um, the, the trauma of failing to walk and how that impacted your life. And then I also read something else that caught my attention was when you say trauma is also what didn't happen to you. So it's not just what happened to us, but what didn't happen, like the lack of touch or perhaps you gave some examples that I don't remember. I don't have it here now. But that's so true because my case was not having loving parents. I never knew what love was in in the sense of safety. So I didn't have that. So when once I understood intuitively, naturally, I, un- I understood that I was in a, an environment with my parents that was not safe and love was not something that they knew how to express. Then I had to leave at the age of 17. And throughout my, uh, up to 37, actually, I was grieving that not having parents, loving parents. So it seems like the trauma that my body kind of held on to had to do with, of course, what happened because it was also severely traumatized emotionally and physically. But it's also what I didn't, for what I didn't have, because seeing people around me with loving parents, you know, loving people, and I didn't have that as a reference. So that caught my attention immediately, Chitao, when you said that. Yeah, it's neglect. Yeah, it's a form of neglect. And uh, yeah, that's still trauma because we crave. 
as soon as we're born, we crave that love, we crave that affection. Right. Yeah. And you see, in the even the grief, I didn't understand that. I didn't understand. I didn't understand that as grieving. I mean, I don't know what I thought at the time. It was just I was very angry and very sad and very depressed. So I did. I didn't really understand at that time. But now, listening to to you, amazing people here, <laughs> it's very clear to me that was grieving. That I was grieving mm. that not having that experience of 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 safe attachment. Ah, how amazing. So another blog post that you wrote that caught my attention was, is there a link between depression and spiritual awakening? That question. So and you also quoted someone else, this woman, Dr. Lisa Miller. Oh, yeah, she's amazing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you mentioned her many times. Depression and spiritual awakening are both two sides of one door. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It's so powerful. Yeah, it's so powerful when she actually said that. It's, yeah, it's without pain, I believe. It's it's the way that kind of God's kind of put in place so that with pain we awaken. Because if there's nothing to trigger us to work on, we just stay, stay here, you know, asleep, basically. And I believe we do have certain um, control of what we experience in life before we come down to earth and if if we're not strong enough we wouldn't choose to come down in certain situations that cause depression or anxiety down the line or yeah it you know or we I believe that we do tend to choose which family and circumstances to grow up in because without that we wouldn't get triggered and go into depression pain and then grow as as a as a soul because if you just stay asleep if we just have a normal life, there's no prompt to actually go within and start to find answers and to awaken. So depression and anxiety, I feel like, and trauma are just like massive, massive steps that people, most people have to go through to awaken. That's very insightful. And it also resonates true to me at that level, right? Because we're basically talking about ignorance in not in a pejorative way, but in a way of ignoring the truth as you said, being asleep. So that's the ignorant state of not knowing, basically. So you're right. So by not knowing that we are one with the infinite, that we are one with the divine, that we are limitless, then we keep coming back. We keep circling around the, the limited, what is limited. So we keep limiting ourselves, basically. And I yes. think that has to do with the human experience too, Chateau. I don't know if you have this understanding, but do you actually believe or do you have you had some insights into the uh, the nature of reality in a sense of, you know, what what are we? Like you said, joy, love. But this is not something that we can permanently, permanently find here in this human experience. It's no. always that back and forth, right? If we're, I mean, we could find, I guess, some people, some spiritual teachers in India, especially, they have found that sense of deep peace, you know, and they actually became very stable in that with the body-mind. But then you're still witnessing other people to go through, going through suffering. So it's not really something, they couldn't do anything about that. They couldn't stop the suffering of others, although they, they did amazing work. So how do you feel about that in a sense of what is, when we evolve, when we get to the point, the point of 
knowing what we are, who we are, do we, do we still come back here or are we free, completely free then? I strongly believe we do have a choice whether we do come back or not. And, and that's especially after reading Michael Newton books, because I always felt like that we do have some sort of control. And when I read his books, it just made sense. I don't know if you've come across. No, I don't know. I don't know who he is. Uh, he's actually a hypnotist and he was a skeptic of reincarnation. He did not believe in it at all until he accidentally sent a couple of people into past lives. And then he ended up like delving more into it. And then he'd end up taking people to where they're actually in between in the spirit spirit realm. A lot of people actually have some sort of control of what they want to experience in the next life and who to pay karma off with, um, you know, who, who to meet in their lives and what they want to learn. But the thing is, so so we do have a choice. We don't, if we don't want to come down to earth, we, we 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 have the choice just to stay up there. But then we eventually we always return back because we always want to grow as a soul. But yes, at some point, yeah, in Hindu in Hinduism, they they call it moksha when you've finished all your karma yeah, off moksha. on planet and uh, you've finished all your most of your life lessons and stuff, soul lessons. You you you, you get get moksha so you return back to the divine and integrate with divine so yes i do believe that we can escape oh um, i see yeah and yeah. even after liberation we still have that choice to come back here as an individual yes. consciousness um, yeah so yeah. most people i believe that it, it, they come back either as uh, highly evolved souls or like uh, spirit guides spirit the spirit guides are I believe that they're just very highly evolved souls who have lived on different planets and stuff and they've just sort of progressed and they want to help other people. So they, they come back just to guide. So they're not really on Earth. Um, mm. ah. They just help guide us. Um, yes. Yeah. Oh, they don't need a body per se, no, like no, uh, Buddha kind of, and I, Jesus. I, I yeah. Use, yeah, he, I, I'm a real strong believer in spirit guides and angels. Ah, yes, of course, yes. Yeah, but like spiritual awakening, it's people confuse it with enlightenment. And I heard somewhere, and it made perfect sense that when you awaken, it's just a foundation. It's just a platform from which you keep growing and evolving. And what the end point is, I don't know. Maybe it is enlightenment, um, like the you know, Buddha or Jesus or the priests in India or the monks who get there. So. How fascinating, Aisha told this. Um, even the contemplation, having a conversation like this, you know, about these things is just so wonderful. It feels home in a way to me mm. to even mm. to talk about these things. <laughs> yeah, it's it like, is wonderful. In the last few years, it's like yes. when I went through an awakening in 2015, and before COVID, I had no one to talk to. And all of a sudden, I think COVID was a big wake-up call. And uh, it was just, it was the divine's way of people turning inwards to have a look at themselves and see what's important. And it's made people, you know, a lot of people go inwards. And, and that's only when I started to come across loads of people who awakened. And they're just, I'm surrounded by them, which is amazing. Because more and more people are awakening, either either through pain, majority through pain, but then I also discovered some people who are awakening slowly by just asking questions like, who am I? 
Mm. <laughs> what, what, what am I doing here? Yes. Why are we here? So there are people who slowly awaken as well, but pain is the fastest way. Ah. People awaken through, I find anyway, through my experience anyway. So. Right. Yeah, you yeah. did say that in yeah. an article about the slow, right? The, there's a slow process of some people who are not going through pain, but they are asking the big questions, right, mm. of who they are. Mm. And the other blog post, it's about heart palpitations. Is it spiritual or physical, a physical dilemma? So mm. you ask that question too, and you actually talk about your own experience there. So I would love for you to share that. Is that when you had first glimpse of awakening, Chateau? Oh, yeah, yeah. I want to say the word twin flame. Um, yeah. And I know there's a big hype out there, but it's not romantic. It's so romanticizing, it's not. So it was 10 years after I separated from my twin flame, after only three, four short meetings, that he kept coming in my dreams, recurring, recurring to a point where I felt like I was living a double life with him at night and in daytime with my husband, who I believe he's a, he's a soulmate, but not as strong as a twin flame. And that set off my palpitations um, to a point where I couldn't work. Um, depression, anxiety, the full works. And that really forced me into looking what's going on within my heart and my soul was just telling me just to meditate on my heart meditate on my heart I went to the GP and he wanted to put me on antidepressants and I was like nope right, <laughs> and my mom had yeah. told me for years to <laughs> meditate on the chakras and I never listened to her until it hit me so hard right but mm. I when I meditated on my heart I could hear it beat so loudly in my ears but until one day I just cleared what I needed to and I inst had an instant, like a flip of a switch, kind of like clarity and awakening. Um, and uh, I could no longer hear the heart beating so loud because it was just instant release. And I believe that's like the heart chakra awakening. And recently I came across, and then when I had that, you know, heart clearing and awakening, I instantly saw why my twin, I met my twin, why his mom caused us to separate and why these people were here and why we had to separate, because the whole reason twin flames are here is to separate, grow, evolve, you know, awaken, and then help the rest of humanity, because it's one of the fastest um, ways to to awaken is through such a connection as well, because you, you, your soul just forces you through it. It just forces you through it. And, um, yeah, just been growing um, since then. But then I actually, when I spoke to my cousins recently uh they're all going through some sort of palpitations and I believe that's like the heart chakra is like a connection between the spiritual upper chakra and the physical lower chakras so it connects both the realms and it's like a very important gateway for us to grow grow spiritually so so a lot of the time yeah so I always tell people to go and get it checked by the GP um, or the doctors. Um, but it's not always a physical issue because once I cleared that, my palpitations were gone, my anxiety was gone, and my depression was like instantly almost overnight just gone because I just saw the bigger picture. Um, yeah, but 
yeah, working on the chakras, meditation doesn't work for everyone, especially if they're in sort of freeze mode. That's very difficult for them to meditate. So that's, that's why I'm trying to find other ways to help them. Yes. Do you still suggest the chakra meditation for some of your clients? Or you? Yeah, yeah. You do? Yeah, if they're able to meditate, then I do kind of get them to focus on their chakras and meditate, especially if they're getting palpitations and they've been cleared by the doctor just to meditate on it. And um, because that was so powerful. Um, It's coming from your own experience, so you know, yes. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting to hear that. So the twin flame, it's different than a soulmate, a soul oh, connection. Yeah, yeah. I, I realized that realized after awakening. I didn't even know what the twin flame term was until after 10 years after separating and going through the awakening. And I thought there's something different. Because I, I had instant recognition when I saw him. And when I looked into his eyes, there was just this weird, I was only in my mid-20s, so very young. I just didn't know what it was. And then when I met my husband, there was a knowing there as well, but just not nowhere near as strong as the twin flame. So that's why I know there's a there's a there's a difference. Um your twin flame is your true other half. But I'm at peace. I'm at peace with all that because uh, I've kind of, you know, realized why we all here. Yeah, how amazing. I love the way you bring everything together. So that's why the title of this episode is healing, going back to the topic, healing trauma holistically, because it's working with all parts, right, Chetal? Not just the the misconception that we are the body only or the mind only. So it's bringing everything together. It requires an openness, doesn't it? To, um, right, to not just when you have these like in my case, of course, it's very clear to me, anytime I have any, any physical symptom, I always think spiritual. Oh, so what is it at that level? And I go for that. Always th- That always comes first. And then I do something physical, of course, about it. But it's always spiritual first. And I know that this is not the, the mentality of most people. It's always science first, right? Science yeah. and then spirituality. And maybe spirituality. <laughs> yes, maybe. So I love what you're doing because you're bringing all this together in all parts of what is to be a human, right? That's not just the body and the mind, but the spirit too, mm. the soul. Yeah, How beautiful. Another question I have for you is, do you see your clients online, also remotely and in person? Groups, do you coach groups as well? So yeah, I do mostly online, um, not not group sessions because when I do the timeline therapy, it has to be one on one. You can't um, you know take loads of people um, because they've all got going through different experiences. Yes. So one thing I could can do in group setting is test for limiting beliefs. Um, so I compare them up um, so they can watch each other and just test each other for limiting beliefs, what they're holding in the body. And then that's what we actually use in timeline therapy, um, to take us to the original event. And it could be either this life or past life. So I always warn people, even if they don't believe in reincarnation, we just say that there might be a possibility, or you can go down the ancestors line as well, because I found that a couple of, a couple of, uh, issues were linked to ancestral down the ancestral line as well, the original 
events that triggered that trauma because it, it does come down with DNA as well as like studies. Ah, yeah. That's like a, another yeah. huge topic. Ah, yes, <laughs> so, well, they're so. all connected. Yeah. Yeah. So it's mostly, uh, yeah, online that I work and not so much group setting because it's the type of work I'm doing and energy healing as well. That's like one on one as well. So the energy healing I tend to do when just to stabilize people because it's scary to go back into the past and, you know, try to work on, on these issues and stuff. So, and I use them in between root cause therapy sessions just to, you know, cut, just help them to stabilize again because they're not up to doing the root cause therapy. So some people are raring to go. Like I've got, a, I'm working with a client. She's just raring to go. So I've done no energy healing sessions on her. She just does all the root cause therapy because she's already done some self work. But the energy healing's more for people who've not really done any self work, but they know they need to just to stabilize them right yeah i love that you bring that too right into the the work you do as a coach the energy healing it, it is very much something that can be felt right away mm. i did reiki for a while and uh that there's so much love there i remember mm. walking that room and that's what i felt without any introduction it was just love a safety love it was really yeah. beautiful Safety, that's what uh, the word that the, my, the, the people I work with say, safety kind of thing, uh, the yes. weekly safety <laughs> yes. that you come into. And, uh, yes, that's yeah. wonderful. Yeah, it's beautiful what you're doing. Thank you so much, Chital, for being open to thank life you. Yeah, and doing what you do. Thank you for inviting me. Thank you. I know. Thank you. I know you have a website, so soulreflectionhealing.com. Are you also on social media? Uh, kind of, yes. yes. I'm not a social media uh, person, so right. <laughs> yeah, yes. Trauma, I'm on Facebook as Trauma Healing Coach. Okay, so on the business page, yeah. Trauma Healing Coach, Trauma Healing Coach on Facebook. So that's good to know as well. I'll have the website on this podcast profile. So we're almost at the end. I do have a few more questions for you, the ending questions. But before that, would you like to add anything else that you left and said? about the topic that we discussed today, Chateau? No, not so much, no. So Nothing else? Yeah, with the, okay. with, the, with the fight, flight, freeze, we tend not to go down the timeline so much. So I tend to get them to sort of um, try to lock in some sort of safety within their body. Like, uh, like It's like EFT NLP where you kind of lock a safety into the wrist or some part of the body and then slowly work with what's coming up and stuff. So that's a bit different, but that's rare. Okay, so that's a good observation, right? For those, yeah, that's yeah. like, especially with, I'm working with somebody who's in sort of deep freeze mode yeah. and can't close their eyes, can't go yeah. down the timeline therapy. So it's like just finding a safety resource outside his body and try to lock it in. So at the moment, it's this musical instrument that he tends to use. Uh, so we try to find different, safety resources in so that when we do go to the trigger points and it gets too overwhelming, they can instantly find that safety resource within the body and just um, come back to, you know, try to regulate down again. So we pendulate, we pendulate between the safety resource and going to the trigger back and forth. So they've got the safety resource and that's, yeah, for people who are really in deep freeze or flight, mm -hmm. right? Um, 
but yeah. Yeah, I love this awareness. Yeah, that's important to have for, for, mm. for people with PTSD and all. Yeah, complex mm. trauma. Uh, I love how that, to me, that translates into uh, compassion and uh, gentleness too. It, it sounds very kind to yeah, um, you, yeah. the, the process. You need to love, uh, yeah, love, love them for who they are and for them to open up so that they feel safe as well with you. Yeah. 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 Thank you so much again yeah, for, for being you. <laughs> Thank you for being you, Chateau. <laughs> Thank you. It's beautiful. So my, I'll ask you the ending question before we say goodbye. So this is a question that I usually ask everyone. What three experiences you wish everyone to have before they lose the body, before they die? Three experiences. Unconditional love, joy. Those are two main things, unconditional love and joy. And um, just finish what they've come down to uh, learning within this lifetime. That's like one of the biggest ones as well. Uh. Yes. Yeah. I love the way you pause there. Uh, unconditional love, joy. What else is there? <laughs> what yeah. else after those two big ones, right? Yeah. Instantly when you mentioned it, I, I've never thought about that, but it's just, yeah, fine. You know, having unconditional love yeah. for yourself and others, especially mm. those close to you. Mm. Yeah, it's beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing you, the timeless wisdom that's in you, that's is being expressed here. And for everything, especially, I have to say, for being open to this journey called life, because yeah. that's what it takes, isn't it? To be open yeah, so to thank everything. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. Thank, thank you. you. So I'll have the website there, soulreflectionhealing.com. And this episode will be published within two to three weeks and we'll be in touch soon after that. Take good care of your beautiful self, Chital. Yeah, you Bye. too. Thank cool. you. Bye for now. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Sheetal Mystery and her work, please visit soulreflectionhealing.com. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. Thank you again for listening and bye for now.